0: Welcome, welcome all. I am Redbeard, joined by my co host Targo. And in today's all new episode of Bruising Banter FC, we're looking at some of the top football news from the past week, including Tony Kroos coming back to the German national team, Danny Alves facing a prison time, and is the Killian Mbappe transfer saga finally over? Was it the right move? I don't know.
1: Yeah, we'll see. We also look at some of the top games from around Europe this weekend, including Bayern Munich taking on RB Leipzig, Arsenal hosting Newcastle. Oh, and there was a a trophy one as Chelsea and Liverpool went head-to-head in the Carabao Cup final. All this and so much more on this brand-new episode of and Banter FC that starts right now.
0: Are you my friend? I'm doing fantastic. I mean, as Arsenal fans, how could you not after this weekend? So, yeah, I'm doing great. How about you, my friend?
1: Doing good. Gonna be washing it down with a uh, little beer here I found at the tap room called Starburst IPA from Ecliptic Brewing. It says, pour some space in your face. <laughs> Here's the can.
0: <laughs> I have had that one. Let me know how you think it tastes.
1: Hmm. A little, a little bitter. Mm-hmm. It's very much an IPA. got that hoppy flavor, but it's got a little, little bitter taste to it that's different. It does say a juicy tropical IPA with a galaxy's worth of... Holy crap, there's a ton of hops in this. Amarillo, <laughs> Azaka, Sentai, Mosaic. Literally a
0: galaxy's worth of hops.
1: Yes, it's all right. I probably would not buy it again, if I'm being honest.
0: Yeah. A little, a little yeah. too
1: hoppy for me.
0: It's very bitter. Like, it, like, the more you drink of it, too, the more bitter it gets.
1: Oh, that's not good. I, yeah. I guess I'd give it a 7. 7 okay. out of 10.
0: Being generous. Yeah. What do you got? Today, I got a full pint. Oh. It took me about 10 minutes to get it all in my cup. So, I have Widmer Brothers Brewing Imperial Hefeweizen.
1: Imperial Hefeweizen,
0: Didn't know there was such a thing, but instead of it being brewed with just lemons, it's got tropical fruits in it, which I thought was very interesting. I haven't tried it yet, but we'll see. I'm not a fan of their normal Hefeweizen.
1: You're not. I love their Hefeweizen.
0: I, I don't. I don't like it. It's too weedy. Almost like tastes like I'm drinking a giant glass of lemon bread.
1: I love lemon loaf. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> How's this beer? Is well, it more of like a fruit cake versus a lemon bread?
0: No. It it tastes like if you were to take your beer. Okay. And the Hefeweizen from Widmer Brothers, and it had a baby. It's literally what it tastes like. It's a little bitter, but it tastes like their Hefeweizen. Interesting. So I'm going to go about 6.5 out of 10. Not my favorite. Ooh, I'm okay. on a roll of not great beers right now, and I need to step up my game here. But you, you it's what you get when you've never had a beer before. So,
1: But speaking of stepping up your game, here's a message from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Acorn Hills Clothing Company. Sustainable clothing, biodegradable packaging, tree planted for every purchase, and a percentage of their sales donated to charities.
0: Yeah, and that's not even the best part. They give you these plantable clothing tags with every purchase. Pretty much greatest idea ever. You just scan the QR code right here for planning instructions, so make sure you go to www.acornhillsco.com and use BRUCE15, that is B-R-E-W-S-1-5, at checkout for 15% off and have your tree planted today.
1: Yes, don't forget to use our code BRUCE15 at checkout for 15% off. This is one you don't want to miss, guys. All right, man, so news broke late last week. Tony Cruz is coming out of retirement, going back to the German national team after three years of being away. What do, you, what do you make of it, man?
0: Well, I'll tell you, the last three years for the German national team have been nothing but disappointment. Poopy. Like Straight <laughs> Very much so. So I can only imagine this will galvanize them at least a little bit. They have not impressed at all on the pitch. I think their only good result in the last 3 years was they beat France in a friendly.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean they yeah, they did terrible at the World Cup. They finished 3rd in their group behind Spain and Japan.
0: Well, they also did terrible in the prior Euros. So, it's not like they've had much success since he left, even with him there in the last Euros. So,
1: Yeah, even when he was there, like honestly the only thing we remember is that free kick he scored. I think it was Marco Royce just rolls it out a little bit. He's from that tight angle and just Mm -hmm. curls it into that upper corner. That's about the last thing I remember from uh, Tony Grusin, the German national team. Same here. But yeah, even Germany just have not played the best. I mean, some of these friendlies, they lost 2-0 to Austria, lost 3-2 to Turkey, drew 2-2 to Mexico, beat the U.S. and beat France. Is this kind of Nagelsmann playing around? I mean, some of these games he wasn't there.
0: Yeah. Hansi Flick was. And I think he stepped down after the Turkey game, if I'm not mistaken.
1: And so they they have been playing around with different lineups, playing three at the back, back four. So he's messing around with this lineup and definitely with his personnel. But, man, this Germany has a plethora of talent. They're
0: stacked. A plethora, yes. I mean, if you just literally look at the midfield options that Nagelsmann now has, I mean, you got Tony Kroos, you got Ilkay Gundogan, Joshua Kimmich, Leon Goretzka, Florian Wirtz, Pascal Gross, Jamal Musiala, Kai Havertz, Julian Brandt, you got Andrich, Führer, Hoffman, and Amre Shan. Like that in itself is a lot. And then don't forget, you know, you got players like Serge Gnabry. Uri Sané, Thomas Mueller, also there. So, I mean, that's like four midfielders, midfields worth of (laughs) midfielders.
1: (laughs) It it is. And so, like, Nagelsmann, he has his work cut out for a man trying to figure out what the best lineup is with these players.
0: Yeah, and I didn't, their last game against France, didn't Kai Havertz play, like, left back or something like that?
1: Yeah, it was something like that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Something crazy. And he still got a goal. I, I don't get it.
1: And so, with the moment, so, having this issue of picking a starting lineup for Germany, we're going to throw our hats in the ring and give who we would start. If we were uh, the German national team coach, who this starting lineup would be. So, yeah. so, give me yours first, man. Who do you got in goal?
0: Okay. So, I'm going to go through everything because there's a, a whole system to this
1: Okay, German
0: national team. So I, I did a long look at it and... There's hard. some interesting formations you could go with.
1: Tons of formations. You could tons go of with, formations. With the that you tons have.
0: of possibilities. I mean, you got strikers that are in form right now, and I didn't start any of them. So. I know. Yeah. In goal, I did mark Andre Terstegen. Oh, I don't like it. Manuel Neuer's <laughs> been unconvincing. I'm sorry. Dude, are you
1: kidding me? He comes up with amazing. He is keeping he Bayern does. Munich.
0: He does. in some of
1: these games,
0: and he keeps. Ter Stegen keeps Barcelona in some games as well. So he's been
1: hurt quite a bit this season. I would say,
0: I know, I know. And you know, honestly, again, flip a coin for whoever's healthy. You could start them. They're both They're, world-class goalies.
1: They are. They are both. Class. It,
0: it's not going to really if one's matter. Out,
1: yeah. It doesn't really matter too much. All
0: right. And then my defense, I went with, I love the inverted fullback system so much. Okay. I, essentially did three center backs,
1: three center backs. Who are your three center? Oh, so I
0: did my center backs are Rudiger and Jonathan, Jonathan Ta Okay. Are my yeah. two. And then at right back, I did Nicholas Schlatterback.
1: He can play okay. that.
0: He can play that center back right back role. And then I have Rome as my left back. who can play more into the midfield if need be.
1: Yep. David Rom. And then
0: around Tony Kroos in midfield,
1: So you are starting him.
0: Okay. I have Joshua Kimmich because you can allow him to get a little more forward and Kimmich can stay back to allow the freedom for Chris to move around. I did an attacking mid of Jamal Musiala because, I mean, you can't not start him. So is this kind of like a
1: 4-2-3-1? Kind of. Okay. Yeah.
0: It's a lot like, I mean, I hate to say it, it's a lot like Arsenal's formation. Because at striker, I do have Kai Havertz, so more of a box midfield to give them a little more.
1: More of a false nine then.
0: False nine, yeah, because we all know how much Leroy Sané likes to get up the field and pinch in. And then I did Florian Vertz at my right wing, so you have a lot more fluidity with that midfield in the front three because that's what they've been lacking in attack. But, I mean, this would give you a bench of Fulkrug, Undev, Gunavan, Andrich, Thea, Gross, Gretzka, Anton, Brandt, Hoffman, Shen, Heinrichs, etc. Like, this is a stacked bench either way. And you could trade out literally any of these guys for any so of these. And so, who's your attacking
1: players. midfielder in this formation? Musiala. Okay, duh. Yeah. So, you yeah. have um, Musiala as that attacking mid and art are on the right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it also allows them to be interchangeable, right? So they can both go in and out. Sané can play as more of a striker at times. Havertz can drop back in. just makes everything interchangeable for all their pieces. And with the way all of them play, it makes sense. Um, you could also use Serge Nabry up top in that striker role. So that yeah. way, him and Verts can kind of go back and forth as well.
1: Mine's a little different. Not not a whole lot, but there's there's definitely some changes I would make in mind. So, for me in goal, I had Manuel Neuer. Uh, for left back, I also went with Rom. My center backs, I had Antonio Rudiger. And, man, I, I debated on this one for the other center back. Either d- Jonathan Ta too. or Anton, who's playing fantastic mm-hmm. for Stuttgart. I ended up going with Jonathan Ta, just the way Leverkusen are playing. They're fantastic. Best defense in the league. And then I went with Joshua Kimmich at right back. I had to get him in my team, man. I had to. And so I think, again, he's going to be pushing up quite a bit, probably moving into that midfield. But that, that's how—that's where I would deploy Kimmich at. Because in my midfield, I went with Tony Kroos and Robert Enrich.
0: Yeah. from So a, a lot of the same system, right, where you, know, you get more of a Kimmich coming into that inverted fullback role.
1: And I wanted a destroyer in that midfield. Because with gondavan Kroos, Kimmich, I don't see him really as, you know, hard-nosed midfielders that will make that tough tackle. And yeah. I think really is you that get player. that with Andrik. <laughs> he can protect that, that back line and allow, you know, allow Kroos to do his thing, yeah. allow Kimmich to come in into that midfield. And then my attacking midfielder, so my, my formation is similar. It's kind of a 4-2-3-1. My attacking midfielder, Jamal Musiala. I also went with Florian Vertz out on the right, Leroy Sané on the left. But I do have a striker that is not Kai Havertz. It is Dennis Undev.
0: I know, and I I almost picked him because he's in such good form right now.
1: Such good form right now. Such the guy is on form. fire. He has 14 goals and 4 assists and 19 appearances in the Bundesliga. He's playing for Stuttgart. It if you don't blows know. my
0: mind. Only 19 appearances. He's got 18 goal involvements. Like, yes. that is an amazing return.
1: He has stepped up since Seru Giresai went off to Africa Cup of Nations. When he got injured, he has just been filling, slotted in there like like nothing changed.
0: Like butter.
1: Like butter. <laughs> but, yeah. You know, it's crazy seeing him do this for Stuttgart because you remember who he used to play for in the Premier League, Brighton. And mm-hmm. never really... Went off no. for him, but no. he's he's they have moments, in the of,
0: moments of brilliance, but a lot of times he was just there
1: exactly. And like you said, this bench it still has full Krug who you could slot in in that striker role. Um, Pascal Gross, I also I, really I know I had a hard time team. him
0: off. He's in such good form as well. He is, he's in life.
1: I mean, you still have Leon Gretzka, like you mentioned, Hoffman, who's been amazing for Leverkusen as well. Canabry, Brandt. So lots of good players. But that's our German national team lineup. What do you guys think? Let us know what changes you would make, what players you would add, or let
0: what let systems like, you would apply here. There's a lot to that Nogglesman could do. Yeah. I, I'm very interested to see what you guys have to say. It's, let us know. I'm very interested.
1: Yes. Let us know on our YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. Make sure you guys are liking and subscribing. All right, man, let's move on to some of the funnier side of things here in football that happened. MLS started last week.
0: Yeah, it in the opening
1: game into Miami, they took on real Salt Lake. They won two nil, but there was a hilarious passage of play where one of the real Salt Lake defenders goes down injured. He's rolling on the ground. The ball comes to Messi. And Messi starts dribbling. And he dribbles at the player and just lifts the ball over this player rolling on the ground, rolls around him, runs around him, gets his <laughs> shot off. The shot gets blocked. But that whole sequence, man, had me dying.
0: Dude, he I watched it me. probably 20, 30 times. It's just not not only is it hilarious, but. It's so hard to do, running full speed, to just deftly touch it so it barely goes over the guy on the ground. That's hard.
1: Yeah. That's not easy. That's hard, (laughs) fucking hard to do, man. He goes around him, you know, lifts it over him like a cone and just went around him. And then he's like, the player, you know, he made a little statement about it. calling himself a cone and
0: (laughs) hilarious. Yeah. I mean, he was on the ground for a while, too. It wasn't like it had just happened.
1: No, I mean, the ref no. didn't blow the whistle to stop no. play. So, I mean, Messi had every right to keep playing. And I know I, I saw a lot of comments when I was watching these videos. You know, you scroll through the comments. A lot of people were given hate. Like, if this was Ronaldo, people would be hating on Ronaldo and all this. Versus Messi was like, okay, that was nasty, <laughs> filthy. As in, that was sick. What skill? <laughs> Do you think Ronaldo would get that hate if he did that in a game?
0: You know, only Ronaldo fans would say that Ronaldo would get hate for this because he wouldn't get any hate at all. People would be calling him a genius, like an absolute genius. And they'd say, oh, if Messi did that, like, okay, whatever. No one cares. The GOAT debate is over. Let's move on. I think, honestly, if Ronaldo was put in the same situation – he just kicked the ball into the guy, trip over him, and act like he had just broken his leg. Okay. <laughs> like, honestly, I've seen Ronaldo do it many times. That's what he would do. Like, oh, I got a free kick. And then he probably scored that too because he's in a garbage league and he's one of the greatest players of all time.
1: He's scoring a lot of goals in that garbage league.
0: Yeah, well, that's what happens when you put the greatest player of all time, <laughs> one of, <laughs> in a garbage league, as Speaking you can eight. see with Messi. Scoring so many goals last season.
1: <laughs> Speaking of garbage league, Ronaldo is getting some hate here from some <laughs> Al Nasir or Saudi Arabian, <laughs> Arabian officials. Yeah. In a recent yeah. uh, game that they won three two against Al Shabab, mm-hmm. Shabab, Shabab. Yeah. They won three two, and apparently he's getting some hate for a gesture he made.
0: Yeah. It. So what happened was, is the fans for Al-Shabaab started chanting Lionel Messi's name. And Ronaldo apparently got angry at it. And he ran across the half celebrating his goal and went like this.
1: It kind of looks like a jerk-off motion, if I'm yeah. being honest. Like it was yeah,
0: like- yeah. And, I mean, yes, a lot of them are just, you know, social media videos. Because, obviously, no one's watching, you know the Saudi Pro League. But.
1: Okay, well, that's not it at all. People are watching the Saudi Pro League, but it was not caught on camera, as you're right, because this was after the game. The cameras weren't rolling. And so this video has come out all from people on their phones. And they're but saying yes. he should be reprimanded. He should be punished for this gesture. What, what do you think? Should he?
0: I mean, if he was in the Premier League and made that gesture, would he get fined? No. I don't so, think no. he would. I, no, I, 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 but-
1: I didn't... I think it's very loosely, kind of an inappropriate yeah. gesture. It kind of looks more like a fist bump or something. You know, he does in that general area. I, I, I didn't think it was. When I saw the headline, no. I was like, "Oh, I got to find this video. What did he do?" And then that was it. It was kind of a yeah. letdown. If I'm being yeah. honest. Yeah,
0: it's just a lot of disappointment there. <laughs>
1: I was hoping for like a Degeneration X, like complete, yeah, it, you just, know. <laughs>
0: uh, uh, uh. No, no, get just disappointment. Hip, get
1: some hip action in there,
0: exactly. But no. No, there, there was no Triple H and Shawn Michaels movement there. That was just your average English person having a wank. That, that's pretty much it.
1: <laughs> a little bit more serious but, note, but uh, yeah. speaking of having a wank, Danny <laughs> Elves, man, is in trouble right now.
0: You were waiting for that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was not. It came to me just now. But this is a little Speaking bit more of a serious way. issue. Danny Elvis has been sentenced for to four and a half years in prison after being found guilty of sexually assaulting a woman at a nightclub. And this, this looks like some serious stuff, man. I think this actually happened. I think he's guilty, and he should definitely be facing this punishment because he cannot get his story right. He has changed his story. and went from not knowing this girl to knowing this girl to, oh, it, we just kissed, to, oh, it was just... Oral to, oh, it was, yep, we, we did it. And he was he said he did all this to save face with his wife, basically, because he's married doing these yeah. things.
0: Well, I mean, as all pros that have this happen to them, it's usually what happens, so.
1: And, of course, he said, oh, it, it was consensual, but a lot of the reports, you I know, mean, obviously the woman's report, witness reports are showing that that is not the case. And he's in trouble.
0: He's yeah, in and then, trouble. you know, he plays plays the final card he has, which he claims he was drunk, which yep. is, you know, inebriation is the final uh, excuse card you can play for a lapse of judgment that is this harsh. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think he should face the full time. I know Neymar has posted his bail and gave him his family lawyer for the appeal. I It's not looking good. I mean, oh. I feel like that's more of a last hurrah, but...
1: And this is like a statement sentencing to... I mean, let's be honest. He's, what, the most decorated, one of the most decorated footballers in history?
0: I think Messi is one trophy ahead of him. But, but so, so, he is okay. the second most decorated footballer in the history of huge the world. Huge
1: name, and for this to happen yeah. to him, and for For just to be sentenced and for him to be found guilty, I think is huge news. Yeah. <laughs> Again, he deserves the punishment. Yeah. Probably worse if, than what the pun- you... he's getting, honestly. It sounds like when I was reading some of the reports, he'll probably be out in 2 years cuz he's paying the victim so much money. blah blah blah. Rich people yeah. get off easy.
0: Yep. So what happens when you got a lot of money? Um it, it's sad to see. But it it's is. it's, and, it's and the, good the for this good... girl
1: to come out yeah. and say this stuff. Again, against someone who's very beloved in Barcelona, throughout Brazil, you know, because this trial took place in Barcelona, you know, such a high, again, high focus name. It's probably the wrong word, not high focus, but just a high profile, profile name. Yeah. And for her to come out and stand up against him. So good for her. And wish her all the best.
0: Yes. 100%. Now let's get into some, uh, while well, happier news, but. Along the same lines. little really.
1: funnier? Let's go with some yeah, let, fun stuff.
0: Let's get into the Premier League, shall we? Because two Sheffield United players uh, started fighting on the pitch in the middle of the match in their 1 0 loss to Wolves.
1: Hilarious, man. They were playing. Honestly, I feel like Sheffield didn't play terribly, but they had just conceded. And it was Jack Robinson and Vinicius Souza. They kind of started out they kind of came together with their heads, you know, like like they do in football and then a little bit of pushing, shoving. One of their teammates had to come pull them apart. Not quite as bad as the Newcastle incident, no punches were thrown.
0: Yeah. But I I think the funniest part of this whole thing is the ref considered sending them both off. Yeah. For for violent conduct, which makes matters worse cuz they would have gone from Just conceding a goal to going down to nine men. Honestly,
1: this team, dude, they need like a a PowerPoint presentation on composure after not only some of the misses (laughs) in this game, the fights, and let's not forget Mason Holgate's terrible red card last week with that tackle.
0: Uh, Yeah. To quote somebody I know, uh, is garbage. (laughs) (laughs) Garbage. Garbage. Yeah. I mean, it pretty much just sums up Sheffield United as a team right now. Pretty much. Like
1: bottom of the table, bottom
0: of the league. Conceding goals left and right. Unfortunately for them, they play uh, the team who has scored the most goals in the Premier League this season and the most, well, the most this calendar year, I should say, in Arsenal next Monday. So it's not going to get any better.
1: Speaking of not getting any better.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was going to segue to that because Arsenal have scored more as half as many goals in the month of or the month of February, the amount of goals they've scored is half as much as Man United has scored all season. So yes. To segue we're into about Manchester United. They lost to Fulham at Old Trafford for the first time in twenty one years. This team looked like the United we saw last calendar year, where they yep, were just twenty twenty three,
1: yeah. I mean since <laughs> for twenty years, that was the last time Fulham won. So when we were watching that game, we we're just a baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, and honestly, I mean, Fulham does twenty-one to win years this game. It,
0: we were in high school, but you know, whatever.
1: Again, just a baby. Still mentally, like just
0: a baby. Yeah. But, but yeah,
1: man put, I mean, we had to we put him in the good. We had to put them in, in, in our good, c- good category. category yeah. A couple weeks ago, and you know, I just said, "Hold my beer and watch this." <laughs> <laughs> came out to play against fulham and just decided to not give a single fuck that's what yeah. it looked like
0: yeah i mean they looked flat their midfield got absolutely dominated by fulham
1: poor kobe feel- manu man was having to deal with all the old legs of casemiro who went off injury <laughs> yeah
0: Christian
1: erickson came in and did not look like he had any more legs in him
0: no and you know they were without Rasmus Hoyland in this match who has been an inspiration for them. He's out two to three weeks with an injury, but like, is he at this point more of an inspiration to them than their captain is in Bruno Fernandez?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, Bruno looked like he didn't give a damn. Rashford didn't look like he gave a damn.
0: Did you, did you see Bruno's antics in the second half when he, he took a shot from just outside the 18, his follow through hit a Fulham player he goes straight to the ground and rolls around, gets up, and then starts yelling at the referee for not calling a foul.
1: So I did see Who this. does that? So I, Who does I did. That? So this is kind of going around the social media circuit where, yeah, he he's running down. It's right outside Fulham's 18-yard box. And he kind of goes down, injured, air quote, injured. But United kept the ball. Like, Dallow has the ball on the right inside the 18-yard box, and Bruno cannot be bothered. He's still just rolling, oh, I'm I'm hurt. And then, like, he kind of gets up and looks like, oh, we still have the ball. And then he pops right back up and is, like, asking for the ball again. Yeah. Which, I mean, yeah, it's, again, they can't be bothered. There was also a clip um, when they played Luton, Manchester United, where Ross Barkley basically just jogs past Marcus Rashford. Like it was the laziest piece of defense I've ever seen. Where he like, I think I don't want to play defense. I just kind of stopped chasing him. But it wasn't—he wasn't really chasing him. He was more walking in his general direction. As part yeah. of he just went by him. Like they can't be bothered, man. They just—they don't no. care. No. I mean, but... at this point, is Rashford
0: for sale? Like, could he be for sale this summer? I mean, if I'm Sir Jim Ratcliffe, I would. I mean, is there a player with more potential that has been more disappointing than Marcus Rashford?
1: This season? Maybe not.
0: I mean, you look at what he did last season.
1: Honestly, I could probably go to Chelsea and maybe find one, but...
0: (laughs) We'll get to that later.
1: (laughs) Yes, it'd be difficult.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this is Manchester United. You would think players would want to fight for the badge. Like, this is one of the greatest clubs in the history of the earth. And you got players who literally won't defend someone who's walking past them.
1: Yeah, I think things will start to change here. Like you said, with Sir Jim Ratcliffe, he's appointing new people, new CEO, new director of football. I think 10 hugs. Days are coming to an end. I would be very surprised if he's there next season.
0: I mean, speaking of Ten Hag, I mean, you, we've heard him say a lot of things this season. A oh, lot
1: yes. of things. So, yes, I, I have to quote him. After after the game, this Eric Ten Haggard, as I'm going to call him, was quoted, <laughs> After one defeat, you have to see the bigger picture. And the bigger, bigger picture looks very good. Ted Hawk said that after the game when asked if things were going in the right direction under his management.
0: Well, I mean, if you consider that Surgeon Ratcliffe got appointed and he is starting to appoint world class staff in important positions, yes.
1: Play on but the field, though.
0: Play on the field, not at all.
1: I mean, this not guy should be. Not at all the manager of the international space station with these out there freaking comments, man, I picked the right beer, this starburst. <laughs> Cause it's just an outer space theme, man. He just, what, what kind of comment is that? That makes zero sense.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. it he, he, he hasn't made sense all season though. I mean, he's been saying about getting the right players in all season, right? Well, he got some of his players that he wanted in and yet Anthony is still on the bench. He starts a 19 year old in Amari Forson for his did. first appearance yeah, instead. He sends palestri out on loan and then subs on Amad Diallo instead of Anthony as well.
1: I think Anthony came on for what the last minute.
0: Yeah. And he, he literally like, I saw him running around, but I don't think he touched the ball. So, yeah, yeah, it getting was back, awful. I
1: guess, to that game. I know there was a situation in there where uh, Harry Maguire had a stamp on a player, could have been red. They he, ref gave him a yellow. Was it? Was it a correct call for you?
0: <sighs> it looked more accidental than anything. So I mean, I've seen reds given for that as well. So
1: <clears throat> Uba McConnell in the championship.
0: Yeah. Uh huh. And Uba I'm going to go right? with. I Upa McGuire. Well, <laughs> they're similar, right? <laughs> but, I mean, if we're going with Upa Maguire, then yeah, he should have been sent off. But no, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna agree with the ref in this case. Correct call for and, you. Yeah, yeah, he was close enough to the situation. I agree. I do. But with this loss, and uh, you know, the teams around United picking up a victory or at least some sort of points, are United effectively out of the top four race with this loss?
1: top 4 potentially we'll see they're 8 I mean, points behind villa right now with the champions league england could get a fifth champions league spot so that that makes it a little bit more accessible but that we'll find that out all later cuz italy could also get city. a could get a fifth champions league spot mm-hmm. so i i they they're, they better hope there's a fifth champions league spot cuz you're right i don't see them getting fourth especially after villa won this p- past weekend
0: Yeah, and Tottenham has a game in hand, although it is against Chelsea. So we'll see how that pans out later. That could put them six points ahead of United. And I feel like, honestly, with the way they're playing, if Tottenham gets six points ahead of United, that's it. There's not enough games left where you think Tottenham's going to drop six extra points. United's going to pick up six extra points. I I just don't see it happening. Although Villa, I saw recently, has the hardest schedule for the remaining premier league season. So it does give them hope in that aspect
1: Okay, because
0: they still have to play Liverpool, Arsenal and Oh, Liverpool, man, United Tottenham and city. They've played Arsenal twice already. So yeah, should be interesting. Uh, yeah. So Fulham before we move on hilarious tweet,
1: Yes, you see is, it. This is right after the game. With uh, they tweeted, <laughs> so that's why they call it the theater of dreams.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That
1: Fulham oh. team, man, is so interesting. It's such a hodgepodge of like almost rejected players from other clubs. It is. It have is. Burn Ber- Lano with Arsenal. You have Alex Alexander Wobi with Arsenal. Around. Yeah, no. left Everton.
0: Uh, Pereira, Pereira, Man United. Uh, How many one. times can we say the same player? Yeah, uh, Timothy Castagna from Leicester City.
1: From Leicester.
0: <laughs> so, I keep going. Raul Jimenez, Wolves.
1: Willian, yeah. Yeah, Willian. So, yeah, it's just a weird ho- hodgepodge of players that
0: Yeah. I you know, I want to say that, you know, Arsene Wenger the the mastermind behind all this has done it again selling Alex Iwobi to Fulham, but I think it was actually Unai. He Emery. sold him
1: to uh, well that, and they he went to Everton first. There, bud.
0: Yeah, I know. <laughs> still, I wanted to say it. Okay, moving on. Everton has won their appeal against their ten point deduction. Now it's only six, bringing them up to fifteenth after their draw versus Brighton, which is massive for them as Nottingham Forest are still waiting their fate, and Nottingham Forest is also in seventeenth, four points above the drop.
1: Yes, my poor Luton. They're in the relegation. They do have a game in hand, but they'll, they'll need to make up, make up some points here to catch Forrest.
0: They do. Luckily for them, they still have to play the entirety of the bottom of the table except for Sheffield United. So you have that going for them.
1: Woo-hoo.
0: Speaking of bottom of the table, Crystal Palace won 3-0 over Burnley and Oliver Glasner's first match in charge. Huge American Chris Richards with the goal to kick it off.
1: Yeah, did you see uh, his quote about his uh, his hilarious line about growing out his fro
0: so he could head the ball? <laughs> yeah, so he could finally head the ball and it feels good to be able to score. Yeah, I did see that. Hilarious. That was hilarious. Villa put four past Forest in a 4-2 win. West Ham with the same scoreline over Brentford finally get back to their winning ways. And then Manchester City scrapped to three points versus Bournemouth to keep pace with Liverpool. They made it 15 unbeaten coming into the 192nd Manchester Derby at the Etihad and probably the hardest March of anybody's schedule as they go to Anfield after that, go to the Amex to play Brighton, and then play Arsenal to round out the month March. How important is this month going to be for the title race?
1: Oh, huge, man. We could see some huge point swings as Man City face Liverpool and Arsenal. So the top three teams are... Playing each other here. So, yeah, we could see some huge point swings depending on how these results go.
0: Yeah, and I mean, we also know that, you know, away from home, Man City has been less convincing than at home. They struggle at Anfield, which would be a huge win for Liverpool if they get it. And then they go to the Amex, which has been a bugaboo place to play for them. Yeah, they and Remember did. last year they, they lost drew. at the Amex or Drew they, they at the drew. end of the season. Yeah, yeah. Drew. But Phil Foden with yet another goal. So I wanted to bring up a point as I heard real Ferdinand say recently that he thinks Foden is world-class, but Bakaio Saka isn't yet. Did
1: I'm say pretty why. sure
0: I know your answer, but do you agree with him? Did he say why he thinks that? He just said because of the stats that Foden is putting up, how he plays in this Manchester City team, and how much his game has improved this season.
1: So I feel like if you're going to put Phil Foden as world-class, then yeah, you do have to put Sokka as world-class. Now, whether you think that, that that's up for debate, but I think if you have one there, you have to have the other um, stats wise. You, you can, we can be sat merchants and say, yeah, Sokka Go ahead. has better stats. Um, if I'm going to argue, if I'm going to argue nope. for Phil Foden, it's okay. Let's look at the trophies and things he's won. But again, you have to look at his supporting cast there. Yeah. And so there there I, are different factors that you can look at to support your your claim of why one would be world class or versus the other. But I think if you got to put one there, you should put the other. I mean, you can look at even the England squad of Saka is starting, Phil Foden does not.
0: Yeah. So I mean, I, that's I feel like little, little that is I think that right there says a lot. Although they play two completely different positions, but they do. The fact that Sokka starts for England and Foden does not, I think is indicative of this entire scenario. But I mean, just looking at the eye test, right? You got this Manchester City team, which is loaded with world-class talent, and Foden is still standing out amongst all of these world-class players. And you got Sokka who has players that could be in certain circles considered world-class, but probably not, except for Martin Odegaard, probably. Declan Rice maybe, and the rest of them you might think not quite world-class.
1: Versus like a Kevin De Bruyne, Erlene Holland, Rodri. Bernardo,
0: Bernardo Silva.
1: Silva
0: yeah. yeah. So in that aspect, the fact that Foden is stating out so much as I'm going to try to be as neutral as possible in this discussion, I think it speaks a lot in volumes of where Foden has come from and where he is now. I agree with you. I think both of these players are world-class, 100%. There should not be an either-or conversation with these two players. But Saka is, other than Mo Salah, who is considered one of the best players in the world, Mo, Mo Salah is there, and Kiyosaka is literally right behind him in terms of not only stats, but as he is regarded in the football world.
1: And you think of Saka, man, he started out as a left-back. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy.
0: It's insane. And the fact that he's only 22 and he's already hit 100 goal involvements. There's not many players who have done that. He's only got 50 goals for Arsenal and over 50 assists. It's really difficult to really try to say that he's not world-class. I think it's harder to make that argument than it is that he is.
1: But why don't you guys let us know? Is Foden, is Saka world-class? Is one better... I, I mean, they play different positions, but let us know what you think. When mm-hmm. you put one as world-class versus the other, let us know on our socials. But all right, man, let's get to some of the big games we had this weekend. We had Arsenal hosting Newcastle at the Emirates.
0: Karma is my boyfriend! <laughs> okay. Cue the Taylor Swift music, please.
1: They just dismantled Newcastle. They beat them 4-1. Probably one of the most convincing displays I've seen Arsenal play, especially in that first half. They kept Newcastle to zero, zero shots in that first half. Goose and egg. that's
0: not just shots on goal. That's shots. Shots period. total.
1: Yeah, shots yeah. total.
0: And I will say for a solid, I don't know, probably like 30 minutes of this first half. Newcastle, I don't even think they got out of their own half.
1: They struggled horribly with that. It was just long balls up the top, hoping for Isak to latch onto something, but they couldn't put two, three passes together mm-hmm. at all. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, was, it was just all Arsenal. They were, they were dominant.
0: Yeah, I mean, without you know the VR disgrace of the first match, whatever. I mean, if that hadn't happened, I mean, Arsenal could be level on points with Liverpool, but whatever. Who cares? That's in the past. I do have a question for you, though. Okay. Is the... We saw them lose... Arsenal lose to Porto midweek with the lineup that they had scored. What? 5-0 against Burnley. 4-0 against West Ham. They switched it up to the same lineup they played against Liverpool. Is this their best starting lineup?
1: I think so. And I think this is the correct lineup for these Champions League games. In the Champions League, you're going to face... You know, it's a different competition in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. I, I liked how, you know, I don't know if Kai Havertz is the answer for the false nine. Yes. He got his goal and he's playing well, but he also misses chances. He missed one very early in the second half or should have been an easy finish and he did not score it. Yeah. So I don't know if that's the answer, but I do like Declan and Jorginho and Odegaard in that midfield because it allows Declan to start that press sooner. Yeah. Um, You know, as far as going back to Havertz, what I did like is yes, he offers a physical presence. He looks like he's trying more, you know, attacking defensively. The guy's a giant. I mean, he's like 6'4, something like that. So it offers an aerial threat.
0: (laughs) I mean, if he can put a header on target, that is.
1: If he could, yeah. Yeah. Again, going back to his finishing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it really is. But. What he gives up in finishing, he adds in midfield presence, right? That box midfield really, like you said, allows them to press a lot better and Declan Rice gets up the field more to be able to do that. But I I think a lot of it has to do also with just the sheer passing range of Jorginho. Some of the balls he's playing over the top, it almost looks like he's just scooping it
1: that beautiful one for this the second goal Martinelli yeah and that was also a difference Martinelli you notice he was not hugging that sideline he was line. coming inside mm-hmm.
0: which allows again for more of an interchangeable front four with Odegaard as well
1: i think that's what hurt them in that Porto game
0: and i, I agree 100% um, cuz they were unable to break down that Porto defense and Porto just looked like they're going to break on the you know their left side Arsenal's right as Ben White was pushing in But, I I mean, Trossard and Jesus are both great options up front, but they don't seem to fit into that same system as well. I mean, Trossard we've seen has done it a couple of times. Jesus, not so much. I mean, with the effectiveness of this, do you go back to either one of them for the rest of the season?
1: Oh, no, not at all. I think it depends on who you're playing. This is going to be match dependent, whether you want Jesus Mm -hmm. or Havertz or Trossard up front if you want to play a false nine. I think it depends on who you're playing.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, matching up with how physical Newcastle is, they made Newcastle look like, you know, just your average team. Yeah. I mean, that's what Newcastle were known for last season, was just beating up teams. Does it surprise you how different this Arsenal side is physically versus teams of years past?
1: Oh, it's a huge difference, man. I mean, when was the last time you thought of an Arsenal team as physical? You'd have to go back to early Arsene Wenger days.
0: Yeah, um, probably early days of the Premier League. Yeah.
1: Um, uh, I mean, they they got some big boys. That defense, they're all center backs. And Ben yeah. White, Aliva, Gabriel, Kiviori, Declan Rice ain't no slouch. I nope. mentioned Kai Havertz. He's 6'4". Yeah. He's a giant man.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, I, I again, I agree. It's been a very, very long time since we've seen an Arsenal side this physical but, I mean, just adding to that is how much better they have been at set pieces. I mean, they've scored an amazing 19 goals so far this season, not including penalties off set pieces.
1: That's the most in the Premier League.
0: Yeah. Why are they so much better?
1: Well, I think a physical presence helps when you got that presence in the box. And then set piece, set piece coach, man, working on it on the offseason. I know that was a, a big reference there for Mikel Arteta to get to get a set piece set piece coach in, and because set pieces right. are important. I mean, they we've are. Seen, we've seen teams win the Euros, World Cups off of set pieces. I mean, this is how you can you can win some big games just off of one yeah. set piece.
0: And speaking of that, we'll get to that a little bit later about the Carabao Cup final, but. With Arsenal looking this convincing, City just scraping through for some of their victories. We've seen Liverpool absolutely dominate games as well. I mean, which team would you give the advantage to in this title race? I mean, like, who's the best, most impressive, most dominant? They all look really good. Liverpool, obviously, are top of the league. But, I mean, two points separate all three teams in the closest title race I can possibly remember.
1: Who has the advantage? I don't know, man. I mean, here's what I guess what I'll say. So they all look really good. We're just kind of waiting for one to to break, to slip up. You know, March seems like it's going to be a pretty important month with all those top three teams playing one another, or at least most of them playing one another. I mean, you think of Liverpool. Honestly, they look the most threatening. They're in first, but they got some injuries piling up. Yeah. Diogo Jota, Darwin Nunez, Mo Salah, Dominic Sabozalai, Trent Alexander Arnold, Allison, Allison, Curtis Jones, Graven Gravenberg went down injured in the Carabao Cup. So they got
0: There's some big names.
1: That's a lot of, and so if all those players stay injured and they can't get a lot of them back, yeah, I don't think they win this title. They need those players. Mm-hmm. And then moving on, you know, to Man City. It's Man City, man. They're they're probably the best team with the best players. But defensively, the way they play, they leave themselves open, because they push a lot of players up. John Stones comes out of that defense pushing up, and they've they've been shown to com- concede goals. Yeah, and you know they're they're scraping by with these wins. They got that one 0 against Bournemouth, so they're not winning super convincingly. I mean, Bournemouth had chances. The game before that was a one nil over Brentford. Game before that Brentford was a one one yeah. against mm-hmm. Chelsea. And so it'll make for an interesting Manchester Derby coming up here. And then you got Arsenal. So right now, they're probably playing the best football. I mean, let's be honest. That first half against Newcastle was... That is how the modern game should be played. I mean, <laughs> when you think about it. The pressing, the winning the ball back, the, the movement.
0: Just sheerly suffocating a team and then it affects the rest of the game because those players get tired as you keep that that intensity more mistakes happen as in they scored four goals
1: but at the same time they're also the furthest behind on points they're in third and we'll see how this team can can do under pressure there's probably less pressure on them now that there's other teams in the race they're not in first they're chasing but we've seen this arsenal team crumble with injuries especially so again if some of other players down that spine get injured, they could slip away.
0: Yeah. I will say, like, onto that, to add on to that point, I think Arsenal being in third and not having the spotlight and the pressure on them has benefited them more than it has any of these other teams because, I mean, Manchester City, we know. They can deal with the pressure. Liverpool, we know they can deal with the pressure. Arsenal are kind of, you know, sitting in the back seat, just biding their time, waiting for someone to slip up.
1: I also think with this being Klopp's last season, there's a little extra motivation there.
0: Yeah. extra fight. And with it being Klopp's last season, let's get into the Carabao Cup final, shall we? Let's do it. As we got Chelsea playing Liverpool. And, you know, in regular time, this didn't surprise anyone. It ended nil-nil. It did. But then Liverpool got an extra time header from a set piece. Weird, like we just mentioned. From Virgil van Dijk for the win. However, during regular time, Virgil Van Dyke did have a goal ruled out from VAR. Yeah, Endo was offsides kind of stopped Levi Colwell from marking Van Dyke. Was it the correct call for you?
1: Uh letter of the law, yeah. Stopped him from marking his man. He made an impact on the play. He was offside.
0: Yeah, I I've seen a lot of comments and a lot of analysis after this match where some people don't understand why this was called offsides. Read the rules, I guess. Uh, Chelsea didn't play terribly in this match. And I'll be honest, they kind of looked like they were going to win it during normal time.
1: So I'll be honest with you, man. I didn't start this game. I forgot all about it. Yeah, I really did. I started it in the 70th minute. The last 10 minutes of that game. I thought Chelsea were going to score. They had so many chances. Connor Gallagher should have put a couple away. And they couldn't score, man. I mean it's the story of Chelsea. They they can't score. It helps Liverpool's goalkeeper, their their backup. I'm not even trying to pronounce Kelleher. his first name. Yeah, Kelleher. Try to pronounce his I'm first not either. name. <laughs> okay. Yeah, me neither.
0: <laughs>
1: the guy came up with some fast fantastic oh. saves.
0: Yeah, that one right at the end, I maybe that was I think that was Chelsea's goalie.
1: Petrovic had a good one at the end, too. Yeah, Yeah,
0: the the double save from point-blank range. That was with his foot. Yeah, that was amazing. But yeah, Keller had some fantastic saves in this one. And I think, honestly, like you said, I think that was the only reason that they were in this match.
1: Yeah, I mean, this was also about Klopp's kids and coming into extra time, because Chelsea just fell away in extra time. I don't know what happened. They just, like, hit a wall or something, couldn't do nothing.
0: I'll tell you what happened. Pochettino happened. His substitutions, none of them were positive and none of them worked. But in Cuckoo as a striker, we know everybody and their mother knows that doesn't work because he's not a natural striker. Puts in Trevor Chalaba for... um, uh, Chilwell. Yeah. And then you see him in extra time... Right before it starts, he's talking to Chaliba. You would think from a coach where you want to attack the game, it's a final. You want to win it. You would be talking to your attacking players, not your defenders.
1: I think they, they wanted PKs, man. That's that what it looks like they I mean, we playing for. If I'm it did look
0: him. like that. But when has that ever worked?
1: Sometimes it works. It,
0: it <laughs> never does.
1: I will say, I mean, though, did this game feel more than a Carabao Cup final? Like, it almost had FA Cup final vibes with the crowd, it did. the atmosphere. It did. It was what,
0: fantastic.
1: What this means for both teams. Like, I mean, Klopp's final, you know, final games, this was fantastic for him. It, Chelsea, the way they're playing, this was yep. would have been huge for them to win a trophy.
0: It would have. It would have. Uh, I mean, it makes it six finals in a row that Chelsea have lost.
1: Most. They set a record, yeah. Yeah. So, but it was held by Middlesbrough, who will gladly hand it off to you, Chelsea.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Pochettino said that this Chelsea team was tired, but Liverpool put in teenagers, which why is, is Chelsea, half of Chelsea's squad. Why is
1: Chelsea tired? They're not playing in Europe.
0: No, they play one game a week. And Liverpool's teenagers took them to school. I, I don't get it. Is this, a, is this a Pochettino problem? A player problem? Or is this literally like again? We've said it in many episodes prior. Is this you can take the man out of Spurs, but you can't take the Spurs out of the man?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think it's I think it's a potch problem, man. If I'm going to be honest with you, his I did not like his comments he said after the game. You know, oh them going for the penalties, they're tired I, again. I do not like those excuses. Those excuses seep into the players versus Klopp, who sent out a bunch of youngsters teenagers who had to get to yep. bed early for school the next day. I mean, come on.
0: Yeah. And a lot of them couldn't even go to the celebrations afterwards, which is terrible, right? Like they're teenagers. You can't go to a bar. Oh, I guess, but
1: um, I doubt players go to bars afterwards, man, As professional
0: or at least any scenario where there's drinking.
1: It was past their bedtime. Let's just say yes. That.
0: Well, let's go with that. <laughs> but I mean, this is literally the story of you Chelsea who want to be Liverpool and a Liverpool side who don't ever want to be. I mean, at one point they wanted to be where Chelsea was, but now, I mean, it literally flip-flopped. I mean, Jose Mourinho said a bunch of years ago, is if you have a bunch of kids and you know you you don't berate them for losing and you don't celebrate wins, it becomes a culture in a club, and a big club doesn't become it becomes not a big club anymore. Is this the case of Chelsea? I mean, before Roman Abramovich, they were a mid-table club.
1: And that's where they've been at since.
0: Yeah. I I know that Phil Neville or Gary Neville said billion-dollar bottle jobs. but I
1: think that's harsh.
0: I think that's harsh. I think yeah. it's more probably a billion-dollar squad with a hundred-dollar manager I think is probably a bigger problem for them. So what do you guys think? Is Pochettino the right manager for them? Let us know on our socials, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Let us know down in the comments.
1: I want to hit real quick. We'll go real quick through this game. Bayern Munich hosted RB Leipzig. They won 2-1. Bayern did not look good in this first half. Uh, honestly, it was a boring first half. It took two goals from Harry Kane. And it was a last-minute winner type situation. But I wanted to highlight, man, how much I love watching Javi uh, Simons, Danny Olmo, this Luis Openda...
0: Benjamin Sesko, yeah, all these young guys at Leipzig. God, they do it again and again and again, just unearth these gems, and it's so fun to watch.
1: But Harry Kane, we got to talk about him, man. I mean, he's keeping Bayern in it, 27 goals in the Bundesliga.
0: Yeah, I mean, two in the match, but, I mean, he's giving Bayern moments of brilliance, but it's just moments. It's not full games. Is it enough to get them back into the title race?
1: Well, I think as a striker, do you really control a full game? No, it's as a striker, you kind of kind of hold on to those moments to put your chances away.
0: Well, even th- that being said, he had a couple of chances in the first half, and he did absolutely nothing with them.
1: He put two, that's, especially the second goal was a nice one that he put away.
0: Yeah, I will say that. I mean, at the end of the day, he did what was needed of him, right? He's doing his job. But you would think that he would be able to put the game away a little bit quicker. That's all I'm saying.
1: Got to give credit to Leipzig for that one. I think.
0: Yeah. yeah. All
1: right. Let's move on then to to the one of the, the biggest saga players. that
0: the saga that never ends. The like this is the longest ends. transfer saga. Will he? Won't he? Will he? Won't he? He's going to. You know, to be honest with you. I know it's been rumored, and there's been a lot of people that have said. You know, Frits Romano has said that killing Mbappe at the end of the season is going to sign a five-year deal with Real Madrid. I don't, I won't believe a single sentence of that until I see him with the Jersey on because this has been said before and he did a three sixty and stayed with PSG.
1: What number is he taking?
0: (laughs) I I, honestly, I don't know. Right. But let's get into this and the potential that it could be. So killing Mbappe five-year contract. 225 million euro contract 150 million euro signing bonus to be spread over the length of his five year contract that's 375 million total what yeah even though it's a free transfer this is the most well could be the most expensive signing in real madrid history blowing the cristiano ronaldo deal Gareth Bale deal out of the water.
1: That's crazy. The
0: Jude Bellingham deal out of the water. I mean, let's start with the history, right? Are you surprised that they went back in for him after he did the 180 a
1: little a few bit years ago? I kind of felt like they should have gone for someone else. I mean, there's a plethora of other strikers out there and young strikers, which that seems to be the way Real Madrid are going. He's mm-hmm. getting this kind of hot, young talent. I think of Camavinga, Vinicius, Vinny, Rodrigo.
0: Endrick. Schumany, yeah. Andri- I mean, they got em-
1: em- Endrick coming up. Who could play that yeah. striker role. But, I mean, honestly, I thought about, okay, obviously my first thought, I did a TikTok video on this one, was Julian Alvarez. Victor Osaman. Yeah. Lilie Wahi, Victor Boniface. Santi Jimenez.
0: Yeah, and then I could even throw a couple other names in the mix. You know, Gabriel Jesus, Lautaro Martinez, Alexander Isak. Isak I mean, I would be a Mar- great
1: option, yeah.
0: Isak is still in that same category. I think he's only 23, 24 for so much I'm- less. Oh, you wouldn't have to pay mention.
1: them. No, would you say 200 and <laughs> something million? <laughs>
0: 225 million euros over five years. That's yeah. nuts. But, I mean, with the new regulations, I mean, Barcelona – now can only spend. I think it's like have a net spend of two hundred and five million over the span of a year, and it's three point three and a half times more for Real Madrid. It's like seven hundred something million. Yeah, I
1: saw that because of all the stuff they've sold off.
0: Yeah, I mean, is this side going to be the new Galacticos where they just win everything in Spain for a like long it, time? Man,
1: it looks like it. I mean, they're running away with La Liga right now. They're six points of, ahead of second place in Girona. I mean, they're. Five, eight points ahead of third place, Barca. So, yes, I do think if they, with Real Madrid, with Kylian Mbappe going to Real Madrid, this is a Galacticos era time for them.
0: I mean, and not to mention Galacticos time for them. You think of the ages of these players they have. I mean, oh my you got God, Mbappe. They're all
1: young, man.
0: Who's 25, right? Early to Let's mid-20s. go through the list. You got Vinny Jr., who's 23. I thought he was much older than
1: that. Oh, no, man. He's young.
0: <laughs> Rodrigo, same age, Jude Bellingham, 20, Eduardo Camavinga, 21, Valverde, 25, oh, Tuchmene, the old man
1: at twenty-five. <laughs>
0: 24, Ada Guler, who looks like a phenomenal talent at 18, Brahim Diaz, 24, Endrick, who's 17, and you know who's the newest player to apparently have agreed to a contract, Real Madrid?
1: Oh, I do know. Don't tell me. Uh, Alfonso Davies
0: who is 23 years old. That is 11 players.
1: Keep counting there, bud.
0: It's a good That is 11 players who are under, or 25 or under, that are all, most of them are considered world-class talents. That is an insane lineup.
1: Or the potential to be world-class talents.
0: Yes. I mean, all of them have the potential to be world class, but I mean, most of them you would say probably are.
1: I would say that's insane for sure. Yeah. Bellingham, yeah. That's that's absolutely insane.
0: But I mean, I hope this rumor is true because I mean, the two other teams, Liverpool and Arsenal, that were linked to them, I, I think he would have completely disrupted the entire harmony of both squads. Although I would, I mean, both teams would take him in a heartbeat.
1: How do you pay them?
0: That's yeah, exactly. And neither one wanted to break their wage structure, so I guess that's why. But if this is true, thank God this transfer saga is finally over, as is this episode.
1: That's right. That brings us to the end of this episode. Make sure you guys are following us on our YouTube, TikTok, Instagram. Like and comment, guys. Let us know your thoughts. Should Kylian Mbappe have gone to Real Madrid, or should Real Madrid have gotten gone after someone else. Three,
0: four other players.
1: But on that note, thank you so much for tuning in. We love you guys as always. Cheers.